Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 293. I am your host, Blaine Putney, and I'm joined now by my co-host, Trey Wilson. Hello. And Matt Smith. Good evening. Uh, for this episode, we're post-game after the Columbus Blue Jackets game where the Canadians won 3-1. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Buffalo game, a few things that happened in that one that played yesterday. Uh, we'll talk about the game tonight and some odds and ends. So when we come back, we will begin with the Buffalo game. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Well, there we go. The new prior media intro sounds almost exactly like the old independent Habs Unfiltered intro. I never saw or heard anything. <laughs> Me neither. I don't know about you, Matt, but I didn't see or hear you, you won't. You won't until you listen to the show. <laughs> okay. I guess I'm going to do some editing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to put it in the chat boys done <laughs> <laughs> all right well in that case we will talk to crime media about fixing that for us because uh yeah old men and technology don't mix anyhow episode 293 here we go uh the uh, we'll start with the buffalo game the Canadians got absolutely decimated in uh, at home against the Sabres. I mean, the first couple of periods, it was pretty good. It was pretty close, but in the third, the Sabres just completely dominated, absolutely dominated. Uh, that in the first three minutes of the game, where the Canadians dug themselves a massive three nothing hole in the, it was just, I don't know. So. Treg, why don't you start? Well, the defense was terrible. Um, from the top line right down to the bottom defensive pairing. Um, I don't know. I, I can't even count how many high-definition chances the Sabres had, but they had almost every shot was pretty much coming from the slot or in a scoring area. Allen wasn't all that great. I don't think Allen's been all that great the last few games. Even the win against Philly, I didn't think he played all that well. Um, 
maybe he's playing too much. Maybe they should start playing Monty more. Actually, I think they should, which is weird because last year I thought Monty should be in the AHL. But um, Skinner is just Canadian's killer. <laughs> um, but uh, again, that's a like the Columbus game uh, last week. It was a game that they should have won, and I think they kind of were played it like they thought they were going to win, maybe. Um, I think they were overconfident to start the game, and then once they got down 3 nothing, they just started panicking, and they didn't know what else to do. Uh, I guess the highlight, Cole Caulfield smoker from the uh, from the Ovechkin uh, spot. Uh, it was a beautiful yeah. goal that made it 3-1. Uh, so you did get this thought that, oh, 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 this isn't over. Um, and then it went 4-1 and then 4-2, and then after that it was just a disaster. But, uh, um, yeah, it's almost like the third period they thought, you know what, we ain't coming back on this one, boys. Let's let's back off and get ready for the next game because they were playing tonight, of course. And uh, it was just it was just a gong show. It, w- it was just a bad game from start to finish. Like It really was. Besides, besides the two goals, there was no – you can't even sit there and say, well, they only played bad. For, no, they played bad for 60, 59 minutes and 30 seconds. So, yeah, it was just terrible. Power play. Although the power play looked good in the zone, they didn't shoot. All they did was pass around and try to find that. Again, we talked about this before. Try to find that perfect pass, that perfect seam, or that perfect shot. They didn't try to create anything. And that's and they went 0 for 6, I think, 0 for 5, 0 for 6 or something like that on the power play. And, yeah, 0 uh, for 6, yeah. They had possession the entire – almost every power play. There was very few power plays they weren't in the zone. And they had, but they just – instead of making shots and making chaos, they just tried to find that perfect, that perfect shot. That's it. That's all i got to say about it, really. There's really nothing to say about it. <laughs> well – I mean, it, it kind of highlights the fact that the Canadians absolutely need their goaltending to be near the top of the league so that they continue to be able to win these games. So that's a game that they could have won had Allen played the way he had the first 10 to 15 games of the season. Yeah. You know, the, I think the saves above expected, him and Montembeau have been as a tandem second or third overall in the NHL. And, and that's where they need them to play if they want to win these types of games. But unfortunately, Allen had a had a tough night. I mean, these are this is going to happen. And then they started to come back, but then the the whole team just collapsed in the third. Oh, it's like I said, it just seemed like they were like, you know what, fuck, you know, fuck this. We're gonna we got Columbus tomorrow. You know, we're already down. I think they went down 5-2, and it's almost like they were just like, yeah, okay, this is over. And then two more goals went in, and it was all, you know, Allen was having his Patrick Wall moment. So. Yeah, he broke his stick over the net afterwards. Yeah. And I don't blame him. And no, no. Now, I, I know him. I know the defense, I know the defense had a bit of a hard time as well, but not much more than normal. I mean, Harris had a tough night. Uh, the pairings just didn't work that well. Uh, and, and everyone just kept complaining that Jack Eye wasn't in. But 
I'm going to be honest. I don't think having Jack Eye in the lineup in that game would have made much of a difference other than he could have fought someone after they made dirty hits, like the hit on uh, Suzuki in the second period where he went face first into the boards after a hit from behind. I, I think he it's was, just that Buffalo was a bigger team. And I think – I don't know if bigger. They were just more aggressive. My, my thought on it was I thought Jack Eye would have been better for the, the Buffalo game and Harris the Columbus game just just because of that. But I think you're right. I don't think it would have mattered. Jack Eye wouldn't have made that much of a difference that, okay, maybe it might have been 5-2. But you know what I mean? Like I don't think he would have made that much of a difference. Um, the only difference I find he makes in a game is people's second guess going down his side. And you can see it in the games. There, there are players that will see that he's on that side. They'll cut more to the middle than try to go down the boards. And, and that's, that's about the only difference I find between when you have Jack Eye in the, on the ice and, say, Harris or uh, Kovacevic, who was out as well, Weidman. I thought Weidman had a pretty good game, actually, to be honest with you. I didn't think Weidman played, but he made some pretty good, uh, pretty good plays. He, he, he was on the power play. Um, but uh, other than that, you know, Matheson had a rough game. Edmondson had a rough game. It, it wouldn't have mattered. I, I mean, I, I don't think that bottom pairing really made. I don't even know what their. I don't know what their plus minus was or what their their goals against uh, were when they're on the ice. I'm not sure, but um, I'm pretty sure most of the goals were against the top two pairings, not the not the bottom pairings. So. Yeah. The uh, the only real um, plus out of this was that Slavkovsky got himself about 14 minutes of ice time, and he was 50% on the faceoff dot. Yeah, one one for two or something, wasn't it? One for two. Got some shots on net. He blocked a couple of shots. I mean, overall, he personally had an, a decent game. But that hit on Suzuki that I mentioned earlier, when I uh, bringing up Slavkovsky reminds me of this. Did he get two game suspension for a similar hit? So did Anderson. Well, no, Anderson's was. Huh. He yeah, got the. He, he bought tickets and flew there. Yeah, but I'm. I'm just saying. The point is, is, is the hit on Suzuki wasn't much different than either one of those hits, except Anderson knew he what he was doing. Um, but uh, the, I don't know. Maybe the injury had something to do with it. I mean, not only did he get a two-game suspension, but he also got a five-minute game, uh, a five-minute and a ten-minute game game misconduct. Um, but there, Suzuki wasn't hurt. He wasn't or anything like that. So I think it just, I don't know. We all know what the refereeing is like in the NHL. According to Gary Bettman, it's the best in the world. Uh, according to anyone who has eyeballs, it's terrible. So, uh, and they're not held accountable. And that, that I've said this for years on this show. We have to start having the referees held accountable. There has to be, you know, you make so many bad calls you stop doing games for a while. You know what I mean? Hey, you're you're not making these calls. You're not doing your job right. You're not doing these next three games. You know what I mean? And then once they start losing money or once they start not getting the games, like, okay, they do do it for the playoffs. Only the, the best referees uh, go to the finals. But maybe they should start doing it for the regular season too. Or, and, and coaches and players should be able to call out a referee and say, hey, in a respectful way, you know what I mean? And, and, and respectful and say, hey, you know, if you're calling it like a, a post game, a coach should be able to say, if you're calling a hook, 
call it on everyone. That's fine. If you're not calling the hook, then don't call it. Right? And but they can't even do that. They can't, you know, they can't say one word about the refs and how they dictated the game. And refs do dictate the game, um, or else they get fined. But refs seem to be able to let things go, make terrible calls. Uh, tonight, Edmondson got high stick. Not two two referees standing there looking at it. Not not one call. So. Yeah. What was a uh, Edmondson took a high, the high stick that Edmondson took was off of the stick of someone who was a foot shorter than him? Like, how do you yeah. not see someone's arms in the air? And, and, and I mean, it's not like Edmondson flopped to the ice or anything. He just kind of went like that with his, with his stick. But yeah. there's a ref at the net, and there's a ref standing right over there, both looking in the same direction. No one saw that. Well, the, the, the hit Suzuki took from behind was literally right next to a referee. That, that, that's my point. You want, it to, you want players to not get hurt? then you've got to start uh, calling stuff like that. To me, I yeah. find they call way too much interference and hooking and all this all this other stuff that you're like, you know what? That, you know, when you go go under to lift the stick, it's a hook now. Um, you know what I mean? Like, let that shit go. But high sticks, make sure you call every single one of them. Check them from behind every single one of them. Uh, you know, dangerous check into the boards every single one of them, right? Like, don't, there should be no if, ands, or buts. A stick goes up, a face goes back. If you think it was a, 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 a teammate stick and not a put, go look at it. Oh, no, wait, that, you know what I mean? Like, go look. And Why if not? someone's faking it, you know, faking a shot to the face from a stick, people see it yeah, on the replay, find them. Yeah, find them or give them the Stutzel penalty. Two minutes for Stutzeling. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there, there is a penalty for diving. There's a penalty for faking a penalty. This isn't the World Cup. You know, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I don't know. It, it, it's one of those we got to leave that, the faking to our wives. Until the head of the league starts recognizing there's an issue, then the issue's never going to be fixed. Yeah, that's true. Um, I won't argue that at all. But to move on from that, we'll, uh, there's one more thing about that game that I want to bring up. And that was uh, Jim Skinner, who absolutely dominates the Habs every time he plays them, decided that it'd be a good idea for the guy who's up 7-2 to two in a game on a team that just lost eight in a row and hasn't seen a playoff game in a decade to start chirping the other bench. To the point where the Canadians bench was confused, <laughs> giving weird looks, and the referee actually told him to just shut the fuck up. Matt, what, what do you say about that? I don't think he's got much to chirp about. I didn't personally see it as, as, as I was uh, air forcing. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> um, zoom, zoom. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd say he doesn't have really much to talk about. Yeah, your team's, your team's up in the game, but as you said, it's not like they've... Uh, They've been playing great as of late, so you know, gotta keep your mouth shut type thing. You got the lead, you're gonna you're gonna go home with the win. Just take it and just shut your mouth because the players that are on the bench are gonna remember that for the next time they play. What's your trick? I wasn't listening. (laughs) 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 
Uh, well, you're honest. Chirping in the bin about the chirping. I didn't see yeah. it to be honest with you. I didn't watch the the that much of the game. I was kind of half watching it, half not watching it because it was so terrible. Uh, I don't know if you're up if you're up by like that and you're spanking a team that bad. Why why are you chirping? You know what I mean? Like you, you've owned them your entire career. Everyone knows this. They actually talked about it on the show on the on the broadcast about how well you play against the Canadians. I think they know you don't have to chirp it. So, yeah. Um, all right. Well, we'll move on from that. We'll, uh, but before we get into the Columbus game, a little bit of a little tidbit. I was listening to uh, Tony Marinero's podcast, the sick podcast, which I would uh, I would recommend to anybody. It's a great, great pod. Um and Tony being plugged in a little bit with uh, the Canadians and some of the uh, behind-the-scenes folks, uh, in his epi- the latest episode, the one from last night, as we record, it's post-game Columbus, 23rd November, so his 22 November episode, he mentioned that the New Jersey Devils are extremely interested in Josh Anderson. So... Matt, what do you think of that? It's just kind of something that's been popped up. It seems that every time a trade comes up with the Canadians, it's got something to do with with Josh Anderson, whether it be now the Devils, Calgary, and then you name off a team, they probably want Josh Anderson. Um, he's a he's a player that the Canadians have been looking for for quite a long time, and I, I'm a fan of his. I got his jersey. I wouldn't give them up. Like there, there's got to be there. There'd have to be quite the package. And like I know that they've got a lot of young players, um, but it's not like you're gonna get, uh, you know, a Luke Hughes out of them or something like that. You're gonna get, you're gonna get, you're gonna get another piece. But is it something that would be worth it long term for the Canadians, or do you just keep a guy in the lineup that you've been looking for for how many years now? I would trade him in a heartbeat well, if the if the return's good. You have Slutskoski is going to be your power forward of the future. And with his money and his contract and the length of his contract and the money, if you can get a first pick and a, and a good uh, prospect or a, a, uh, a second-line player from the Devils, I'd go for it. Anderson, I love Anderson. I love what he brings. He's not consistent enough for me to uh, hold on that strongly to. Yeah, I mean – I agree with you, Treg, that with Slutkovsky coming up, he'll take over that power forward role. Uh, they've added Doc, who has some size to his game. He doesn't play power forward style, but he can he can uh, battle through the physical aspects of the game real well. And they're slowly adding more and more size to the lineup. So having Anderson there is not as essential as it once was. Although, don't get me wrong, I love keeping him on the team. But I think you're right with the with his cap that's you know five and a half or that long and playing the style that he is at his age with him and uh, Gallagher on the line uh, on the lineup one of them's going to have to end up being moved and right now Anderson is the the it the it guy everybody wants him he's the easier guy he's the easier guy to move because his value's getting higher yeah but exactly you take him out of the lineup it fucking kills scoring on the wings other than on the top line. Or, but, but or, 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 or any energy from any of the lines. 
right? They, they don't have that now, though, Matt. They don't have scoring right. on the wings now besides the top line. Right. But if you're going to move on from, but, but he's, yeah, I know, but it, he's the only he's the only player other than the top line that brings any energy to the team that plays on the wings. You're not getting it from Dadnoff. You're is... not getting it from Hoffman. You're not getting it from Armia. You're not getting it from Pizzetta. You're not getting it from fucking Pitlick. You're not getting it from any of those guys. You're only going to get it from Anderson. And yes, like I'm talking about him because I I do like him and I think that he's a he's a he's been a solid contributor. Maybe he's you know overpaid a little bit. Yes. But they went out uh, and they, and I they don't got, think so. they, right? They went out and they got the player that they were looking for for X amount of years, and it's going to take quite a package to get him out of Montreal, in my opinion. I don't but think he's start- overpaid. I wouldn't say he's overpaid. I think he's paid right where he should be right now. I think he will be overpaid in two to three years. Right. That's what I think. Right. And that's what I'm getting at. That's what I want to bring up is the fact that what's he going to be like in three years when this team is supposedly in its window? How essentially is he to that that team? Yeah. So, would uh, moving on from him this year or next is probably your best bet for uh, value wise. For me, it's gonna it's gonna depend on the return and like, like and how he yeah and and how he's playing because right now he's he's playing with speed. He's getting in on the four check. He's creating some offense um, for his line when other guys aren't doing as much. And and it, what would it and, take and, from and, the and, Devils? And I'm like, and I'm liking what I'm seeing from him, just based on the fact that it's taken a little bit of, uh, it's taken a little bit off of the top line of having to, you know, get a, you know, get a puck into the zone. Well, based on all that, based on your thought on this, what would it take for the Devils to pry Anderson out of I, the lineup? I'd have to look at the prospects to be honest. Like it would. Would it take they, an Alexander Holtz? Would it take a, a Nemich? Yeah, but they wouldn't. There's no way they give up a Nemich. No, right? but they That's could the give thing. up a. Uh, they wouldn't uh, give like like Nemich. Nemich and Hughes are going to be the two guys that are going to be that are going to be, um, you know, no touch in terms of prospects. So and Holtz is probably I, I think... in and Holtz is probably in that same in that same bubble. You you Maybe. might you might be able to get someone like a Nolan foot out of them or something like that. Or uh, M20, Mukumumudum, and a first-round pick or something. But is that enough? I mean, there's probably going to be a bidding war for this guy. Kevin Ball, maybe. Plus, plus I would say maybe a first-round pick. If they're going for a B-level prospect, they're going to get a first-round pick with them. Whether it's this year or next year, they're still going to. Maybe a Nico Dawes, a young goalie. That could be part uh, of a package, yeah. Yeah. Um, I say it's hard, it's hard, it's hard to say. It's yeah. just the way that I'm looking at the team right now. I'm just liking I'm liking what he brings, and no yeah, one else. What, and, 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 what and one no, piece would it take for you to say, okay, yeah, no problem, I'm sold. On the, Hughes for him straight up. <laughs> I say being I, I I honestly I don't know because the the pieces the pieces that they're not going to want to move. Uh, one of their current pieces to bring in Josh Anderson. It's not like they're gonna. It's not like they're gonna take a Hughes, Heischer, a Brat, um, uh, Sharon Kovich, you know, Zetterlin, those kind of guys, like guys that are on that are in their top six right now. It's not like they're gonna move them out. No. Right. It's not like you're gonna. It's not like you're gonna say, okay, give us Tatar back for one more for a year, 
or anything like that, right? And even Tatar's playing well right now on that line. So and Andre Palat's on his way back soon too. Right, so I, I honestly am not sure, to be honest. I I would say a first and a probably one of their high defensive prospects, not named not named uh, Nemec. Nemec, Nemec or Hughes. But I would trade him, and I, I agree everything you say, but I really don't care about that this year. That's the thing. Like, this is the year, or this year, or next year, or I really don't care if we lose that spark on our team on the secondary scoring. We don't have a lot of it to begin with. We don't really want to finish close to a playoff spot anyway. Um, and like we want to finish bottom 10. I want to say bottom 10 because I've been saying bottom 10 the whole since before the season started. So if they go bottom five, I don't want that. I want bottom 10. <laughs> so I look right. Um, but uh, so I think if they're going to get rid of him, now would be the time. I also I also like him too. I like him on the team. I know, I know Hughes and Gordon really like him. Um, I just think in two to three years, you're now paying five and a half million for a third line winger. Um, and you're going to be wanting to look to get rid of that contract to put in someone who can plug in the top, one of the top two lines to make a run. So, and this is where their plan in the long term comes into play because St. Louis is looking at the right now, he's got a process, he wants to develop everybody, but Hughes and Gordon have to look at the long term. And you have to you have to think, okay, yeah, he's a great impact player for them right now. He's he's worth everything right now. But in three years, when we're supposed to be having this competitive team, where does he fit? And I don't like like you said, Trey. I, I don't know. I don't think he fits in a top six role because unless by then, Sobosky, unless Sobosky falls off the rails and doesn't. Doesn't uh... for me, it's going to depend on who they bring in when some of these yeah. contracts are starting to move out. If you can, if you can move out um, a Hoffman, when you get the cap money back for Dadnov, that kind of stuff, are you looking to move on from a guy like Armia, etc.? Like, what other pieces can you bring into your lineup? And the guys that are coming up, how fast can they get into the lineup to possibly well, see, challenge this... for some of these spots? This is just it. I think you see Beck and Yeoman in a Canadian next year. I think uh, I don't. I'm, I mean, he's Lane Hudson's a defenseman, but I think you see. I think you might see uh, Sean Farrell and uh, and Waugh not far behind. I don't think next year, but I don't think they're going to be far behind. Uh, whether they play, I believe they're bottom six. I don't believe they're top six, but you know, you know what I mean. Like, uh, uh, but Yeoman and Beck, I truly believe they're. High. Abs next year. I, I, I think you're. If you lose Dad and Ob and Monahan, those two are plugging those holes for sure. Right. And that brings me up to another point. Jake Evans. Jake Evans is having a terrible season this year compared to last year. Great at faceoffs. Good defensively. Great penalty killer. Solid fourth liner. But offensively, offensive wise, he's, he's not even close to what he was last year. Yeah, he's not even close. Enough. And he was playing with the AHL plugs most of the season last year. Yeah. Right. Um. He hasn't helped Sopkowski at all. Um, you know, Sopkowski's trying to make plays on that line, and they're dying as soon as they get on Evans or Pizzetta's stick. 
I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it because when you watch him play, he doesn't look terrible, uh, but just nothing's working for him. And when you have a guy like Owen Beck, who's probably close to coming to the Canadians, Evans is a dispendable. Yeah. So is Dvorak, for that matter. But. Well, let's see here. Well, right now, like, we're talking about guys that could be traded off. And, like, I, yeah, I know we're getting off a little bit off the topic, but... What about what about a guy like Monahan being able to flip him? He's looked good since. Oh yeah, he's he's, good. he's, he's gone at the deadline. He's, he's gone at, there. Gorton pretty much said on the sick podcast that Monahan's, without saying he's not staying, he's saying he's not staying. Honestly, from from what he's brought <laughs> from what what he's brought into the brought into the team, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be against um, trading him to bring him back for another year or so. So far, what I'm what I've been seeing. If you're bringing Beck in next year, you don't bring Monahan back. I don't think Beck's gonna make it next year. He's close. Oh, I, he's I close. He's, he's close. But I I see him having another year in the uh, in the OHL where he's gonna dominate, and then and then go from there. We don't know who they're gonna draft either. That's, that's true. This top ten. That's true. This year's yeah, top, top 10, ten filled with centers. Right. It's either gonna be Beck or whoever they draft in this top ten playing next year on the Hawks. I'm yeah. telling you right now. And they'll probably not to be mention, a third line center to start. Not to mention Monahan's pro- uh, if he continues the way he is now, he's going to get a good get you that first yeah, round. Yeah, he should get a decent return. Yeah. yeah. So that would be two first round picks simply for taking on his cap. Taking on his contract, yeah, which would be a pretty, which would be great for the Canadians if they can do so. I've, I've grown to enjoy how he's been playing. I think, uh, I think he's looked good. He's one of their best forwards yeah. there tonight. So he's only he's only he growing had, his stocks. He's only growing his stocks. He had a beautiful top shelf goal tonight. Um, you know, from Vancouver. Oh no, he missed that one. He had the <laughs> 175 foot shot. Oh, that's yeah. it. Um, I like Monahan. I think he's playing great. He's on he's on a 50 point pace, uh, which is good for him. Um, coming from two hip surgeries, uh, he's he's one of the few who's bringing secondary scoring to the team. Um, personally, think uh, Slavkovsky should be on his line, but that's just we've been saying that for topic. a long time. Saying that for a long time. Yeah, and now Slavkovsky did pick up a couple of power play shifts in the last couple of games. He he had fourteen some odd minutes uh, against Buffalo, and he picked up just under eleven in tonight's game against Columbus. Now he did play some with Dvorak and Gallagher, but again, he got shoved back down onto that line with Jake Evans. And this is where I'm going to kind of step away from what you guys are saying. Yes, Evans is not producing whatsoever. He's got two points through the season so far. But his underlying possession numbers are actually good, which is really weird. So is Hoffman's. Yeah, well, (laughs) considering they're both playing against bottom six lines, like this is where they're supposed to be, and they're doing well against – the people they're supposed to do well against, but for some reason, it's it's they're not. It's just not clicking. Yeah. And Everything I agree should, with the whole. Yeah. yeah, and I agree with your point on Evans and Slavkowski because the two. I don't know what it is, but it just it's not working. I I mean I thought Slavkowski played very well on that second line. I thought he was actually the best player on the line. Uh, he drove the offense. Yeah. He tried to make plays. He still uh, overreaches with the puck. Uh, he's, yeah. I mean, he still makes rookie mistakes, and that's fine. 
so, but I think on a line with Anderson and Monaghan, I think uh, that would be the perfect spot for them. Now, I'm not Martin Stingley, but I, I understand why they're doing what they're doing with Slavkovsky. Um, but I, I do believe it's time for him to move up on a permanent basis, even if it's just on the third line. Armia did nothing on that third line. He did absolutely nothing. Well, he was only there because they're trying to give him a little bit of time to get back under his legs under him after being yeah. out for so long well, with an injury. Well, he only had one practice of contact when he came back, so they kind of rushed him. But uh, still. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Hasn't done much. And um, this morning I got a, a question from Le Petit Viking on, uh, mm. on Twitter, and he, was, he mentioned a technical aspect of the of Slavkovsky's game, and he wondered if uh, cutting his stick down, maybe his stick's too long, so that he would be able to shoot better. But Treg, you alluded to it just a minute ago. He's he's leaning too far. He's yeah. always he, when he's shooting, he's either leaning too far back. He's got that far back lean, which I mean, if your arms are straight out, you're not going to get much going. Or he's leaning too far in, and the puck comes into his feet, and he'll fall down before he gets the shot. So he's got to work on setting himself properly before we can even worry about that was a, stick length. That was a kind of a thing with Kotkaniemi too. Everyone thought if he shortened his stick, a little he'd bit. have a he'd have a better. I don't think Slavkovsky's length stick length is his issue. I think it's his positioning no. of his shoes. Personally, that's what I think it is. He's just yeah. which is. Weird. Because he shouldn't change his position because he's in the NHL based on, but maybe he did. No, maybe I just think that the game that is a little bit, it, it, the game's just a little bit faster than what he's used to, and he's still adjusting, so he's kind of reaching. He's reaching he, for pucks. Yeah, he, he's reaching he, he for tends plays. To, he tends to try to rush, and he does this one, yeah. he does this one arm thing too a lot, I find. He, he, he takes his hand off, and he tries to do everything with his one, one hand on the stick, which I think is weird. So we'll continue with the Columbus game. The Canadians actually pulled off a win, which is impressive considering it's the second of a back-to-back -back night. And it was an ugly, ugly game. Like, it was just, oh, it was like looking in a mirror. Boring. Just ugly. Up until ugly. 30 seconds left in the second period, I thought I was watching the World Cup. <laughs> like, it was fucking awful. <laughs> are, you, are you actually watching the World Cup? I, I haven't watched one. No, I'm not watching the World the Cup. World Cup. <laughs> I would have watched. I would have watched Canada's game today had I not been at work. No, I didn't even bother watching. Ending our freedom. <laughs> you were. You're not in Ottawa in a truck. <laughs> Come on. Toot toot. No, before what I did get to see for that game, though, um, as you said, it's a snooze fest up till a few minutes left in the. Uh, uh, like with a minute or so left in the left in the second period, um, it was a uh, it was really um, Sam Montembeau was keeping them in it. They uh, he made some the he only made reason some, they right? he made some really good saves, uh, two consecutive breakaways. He was seeing the puck really well. Um, thought he played a great game overall, and he you know other than the the game that was against Columbus the last time he was out, he's for the most part he's put up a pretty good performance this season. Um, the problem that I had was other than the last, say, 30 minutes, give or take 30 seconds or so of the second period, 
everything was on the boards. Everything was around the boards, and everything was slow entry coming into the blue line or over the blue line. It was just, it was. Columbus is right. Yeah, we're either gonna stumble across and we're gonna go offside, or we're gonna come in with no speed, or we're gonna play around the boards. And it was cycle it around the boards, cycle it around the boards, get it to the blue line. Any shot that was on net never made it through, or the the goalie had a very clear um, sight of the puck. Fast forward to the third period, all of a sudden they're like, hey, we could probably go up the middle of the ice and maybe we can score a goal. And then all of a sudden, you know, the Canadians walk away with a win. I will give Columbus credit for the first two periods because they were pushing the Canadians uh, outside. You yeah. know what I mean? They were, they, were, they were pushing outside. And then once Columbus scored in the third, they kind of opened it up a bit. And, uh, I mean, Jack Eye shot. I don't even know how that went in. It went through everybody. Uh, I Actually, I do know how it went in. Slavkovsky did that little bypass, and yeah. uh, the, the goalie just – had no idea where the puck was so right. and he's an elite sniper so that that's why that went in. um honestly but, jack uh, is one of the better defensemen on this team for getting, getting pucks on net yeah he is. oh he, he has a great shot yeah kovacevic is the other shot. one is the other one too eventually he's gonna get a goal Who's eventually that? he's gonna get kovacevic he's good at getting pucks well, through and if he, he quits shooting at the belly pad yeah exactly he'll get exactly but, but tonight, uh, but tonight you got your two elite snipers in uh, in Safard and Jack. I that essentially won the game for you. And what's the, what was the common denominator for those two goals? The Jack Eye goal and the Savard goal. People going to the net. Ding ding ding. Bodies in front of the net, right. and that the first two periods there was actually my jo- Mike Johnson brought it up on the broadcast. He said. Canadians are getting a lot of shots in on the net, but nobody's going to the net. There's yeah. no one. There no it's second, all outside perimeter no second, shots. No second chances. There was no high definition shots in the first two periods by the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, and even even the goal, even the goal that Columbus scored, like that was just a fart. You had full possession of the puck, and then all of a sudden it was just it was literally a forecheck that, um, and the puck got flopped out, and all of a sudden it's in the back of the net. And like I felt bad for Montembeau for that one, like. It was it was a farce, and I was like, "Oh, here we go, down one nothing on a goal like that. Here we go." So I'm happy. I was thinking the, the same thing. So I'm happy. So I'm happy the Canadians responded, and at the end of the day, they they come out of uh, Columbus with a win. And Suzuki did, or uh, Caulfield didn't even have a shot on goal, but he had an assist. So and just they still, and they still won the game. Yeah. <laughs> just to give you guys a little little numerical view as to how exciting the game was. Uh, I'm looking at natural statric right now, and the high danger chances four for the Canadians was three, and the high danger chances against the Canadians was six. Nine high danger chances in total in that game. Normally, two one team ha- has at in, least that. Yeah, two of them happened in 10 seconds for Columbus. Barn yeah. burner. Yeah. I said, like, I probably would have got more action watching the World Cup, to be honest. You know, ironically, two of the Canadians' goals are not high-danger chances. It was... <laughs> it was. You know what? Until the third period, I'll take it was, it. I almost turned it off. Yeah. I, was, I was so bored. Yeah. I, was like, I will. I t- I'll take any. It. I'll take any victory they can get at this point. Um... 
And you know now they now they relax a little bit, head on to Chicago for a, a two o'clock game for uh, which is going to be the weirdest shit ever. But uh, I'm going to be home, so I'll be able to watch it. Uh, two o'clock game against the Blackhawks, another team that's uh, been struggling. Uh, they're going to go up against uh, one of their former coaches and Luke Richardson. So we'll see, we'll see. I, I'm I'm hoping that it'll be another another W, but who knows at this point. Now, I know Caulfield didn't score at all in this game, but he did show a lot of um, a lot of other areas of his game that's evolving. Uh, on the Jack Eye, was it the Jack Eye goal? No, it was the Savard goal. He did yeah, a controlled Savard zone goal. entry. Yeah, yeah, made a made a cross ice pass through traffic to uh, Doc, to Doc yeah. who then who then got the puck over to Savard. So Caulfield is now controlling the play more. He's not relying on everybody else anymore. He's he's taking some of that on himself. Uh, he's forechecking much, much better, and he's using his speed and his body position for that. He'll never be an elite forechecker, but he's adding all these different aspects to his game, and he's still scoring more than Austin Matthews. I just like the simple play that he made to get uh, to get the puck and had a chance at an open net after Corpusello kind of gaffed the puck to him. I mean, and there that was almost that was almost a scoring uh, a, a, you know a better scoring chance than what they had the whole game. He actually almost put that in the top corner. It literally yeah, just right, missed. but just based on yeah. just based on his hard work and I and I, and I like that. As, as you said, he's never going to be like a um, a full fledged four checker or anything like that but you're even seeing when he comes into the zone like he's he's controlling the game he's 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 able to uh bring it down to his speed and he's he's being creative and it's going to cost the canadian some money let's just say that uh apparently they're in negotiations as they should be according to marco d'amico they started negotiations this week yeah as they should be and before the season started i i wrote about comparables for him and i figured about nine percent of the salary cap is what he's going to be going for now with them saying that the cap next year is going to go up by four million that would mean that his contract would have to be above 8.5 million dollars i don't think he gets more than suzuki no that's the thing no he won't. that's the thing yeah i think do they pay that to eight i think he gets seven and a half to eight for yeah. the exact same dollar amount. What's Suzuki making right now? Eight and a half. Seven point eight seven. It's a seven point eight seven. I thought it was eight and a half. Yeah, he'll he's get, averaging seven point eight seven. Yeah, he'll get. Right. See, Suzuki's the center though. He's more important and should get paid more. Uh, I don't know, seven and a half. I'm gonna say seven and a half. If Suzuki's only seven point eight, then I I only see him getting maybe seven seven and a half. I mean, Suzuki has one of the yeah. ten worst contracts in the league. So it's true. It's true. Horrible. Yeah. On, on pace for a hundred points as a top, the top center captain of a team. What a he's not, garbage contract. He's not even a number one center on a contender. The only reason he's getting the points is because he's on Montreal. He's playing on the top line. He's definitely no Austin Matthews, who is a true number one center on a true contender. I mean, just compare the two. 
look at their playoff performances. Matthews kills it. And by that, I mean their actual chances at winning a playoff series. <laughs> hey, I find it, I find it odd that uh, <laughs> it's true. Um, I find it odd on that stupid friggin' top 10 list, not a single Maple Leaf, even though someone like Tavares, who's still producing right now, his $11 million contract is going to look like shit in about three years. His $11 million contract looks like shit now only because it's keeping them from getting the pieces they need to make it through the playoffs. Darn. Although I will say he's having a resurgence of a year. Having a great year. It's all good. There'll be a future Sue Greyhound in the lineup. Absolutely. To, help, uh, to come help them out. So. I mean, Tavares is doing so well. He's almost... Average, he's almost on pace for the same number of goals as Caulfield or Suzuki. Almost. Actually, I think he, has, he scored tonight, so he has 12. So it's the same as Caulfield. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure he scored like 12. Anyway. I'm j- the, this season is more about the progression of the players versus actual wins. So seeing how Caulfield has progressed his game a little bit, uh, while still producing, Suzuki has grown his game while still producing. Jack Eye has stepped in and shown that he is an NHL player. Gooley, uh, Slavkovsky's growing from game to game. Uh, all the young guys, even Harris, who had a couple of bad nights uh, recently, but overall has looked fairly good. So the, the Canadians have a lot of really good young players on the roster now and how they develop. And learn from games like this. This game against Columbus was absolute trash, but learning how to win games like that is going to pay off in the, in the future. And the Habs have never lost three in a row. This year. This year. I think that's a great stat. I mean, it, it's things to look forward to. Like they're they're consistently consistent. They're inconsistently consistent. That's what it is. Lose two in a row, win three, lose two, win Does, one, lose one. Doesn't that make them consistently inconsistent as well? That's a consistency. So they've been consistent all year. Correct. Snake is eating its tail. <laughs> they've been inconsistently consistent, but also consistently inconsistent, therefore consistent. <laughs> the Air Force guy's mind just got blown. He's just uh, has no idea what's going on. <laughs> Plane goes up. <laughs> yeah, plane goes up. Then it's magic from there. <laughs> Hell to go vroom. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, anything else on the game? I got nothing. I, I I'm just as look you know looking forward to the game uh, on Friday, and I'm just hoping that we're gonna get a little bit more of an exciting game, and uh, you know just some just some constant effort. Maybe you know what take what you just. You know the 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 shit you took in Buffalo, and then the third period from this game, and kind of combine the two, and, and come up with a come up with the best line you can. Uh, it'll be it'll be um, interesting to see who sits. If uh, you know if Jack guy's gonna sit again, or if Kovacevic is gonna sit again, and it's 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 hard to say. Um, it, it's I'm not gonna it's it's kind of a it's it's kind of a bad problem to have right now. 
is the some of the lines that have been working have been working so well. Now that all of a sudden you get Matheson back in the lineup, who's a guy that's not going to sit out, and you're 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 sitting decent defensemen just to just to rotate another guy in. This is why I think there's going to be a move made fairly soon. Right. A waiver move, someone going down to the uh, minors. Uh, maybe they need trade. to move a defenseman, though. So it's, uh, Weidman or Edmondson. Edmondson to Toronto, they need a defenseman. Someone who can actually get yeah. through the playoffs. Did you ever play for Sault Ste. Marie? So it's not happening. It's not happening. <laughs> but no, no, I, I, more than likely, it's, if, if they're going to move a defenseman, it's going to be Harris or Jack Eye going down to the minors because they don't have to clear waivers. Right. So they'll do a paper. They'll send them down. They'll play a little bit there. Call them up back and forth. Trade them back and forth, and that'll buy them more time until until they can finally make a trade. Right. I think it'll be Harris going down to Jack Eye based on the recent play. To be honest with you, I was with you yeah. up until about a week ago that it would be Jack Eye, yeah. but uh, I think it's going to be Harris now yeah. just based on the recent play. Yeah, I agree. Can't argue it. All right. Uh, final thoughts, Trey. Any final thoughts? No. Just enjoy the roller coaster ride. The ha- actually, it's not even a roller coaster ride. The Habs are exactly the team we thought they'd be. They're actually better than what we thought they'd be. So let's just enjoy it while it carries. See what happens. No, sh- no shout outs to uh, all our fans and Brandon. <laughs> like I'm not in Shirley? Brandon anymore. Oh, I, I meant to go up and see Shirley the other night, but I was too wiped and tired, and I didn't bother. But uh, So sorry about that, buddy. I know I was supposed to contact you. didn't go. I'm now in Winnipeg. I get to listen to the karaoke going on in the bar below me in the hotel here. So uh, <laughs> it's going to be a, a good night. So you'll uh, be getting off of here and then going to join karaoke after this? No, I'll be getting off of here and probably trying to sleep through the karaoke because I have to get up early in the morning to get to the airport. So <laughs> Try your best. If not, just go down there. Sing some, well. sing some John Dever. Might have a couple well. drinks. You're good to go. Steer into the skid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Might as well. Might as well. Have some I mean, toothless I... woman try to pick me up or something. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just surprised you didn't go downtown Brandon. I hear it's hopping. I was downtown Brandon. Downtown Brandon is literally one spot. <laughs> it's <laughs> one road. One. That's it. Hotel, the keg, Applebee's, the Wheat King's rink, and fortunately for me, I found a good life up the road, so I was, I was in the happy spot. So, tried to find a corner store, but there's no corners there, so there, I I literally drove for 20 minutes looking for a store because <laughs> there's one road, and then you, there's these little side roads with houses on them. That's it. Everything's on the one, the 18th and 10th. Two called two different roads, but it's the same road. Jeez, I bet Sholey's so happy we uh, we brought him up this episode. Yeah, he's probably happy that the Habs won. He wasn't so happy yesterday. I mean, maybe it's good I didn't meet him because it was a it was a bad game. So uh, yeah, you don't know. He might be very prickly. Ooh. For those who are not in the military or the Canadian military, that's a military joke. And his gnome was probably pretty pissy too. So, gnome saying, 
Yeah, I wouldn't want to get it on the wrong side of that node. What about you, Matt? Any final thoughts? I get nothing. Enjoying a couple of days off now after Air Force in the last week or so. So it'll be nice to, nice to relax a little bit and get caught up on some stuff around the house. And book my tickets Sit to fly. And, and book yeah, and book my tickets to fly out east for, for Christmas. Don't you just don't you just hop on the, the military flight or they're something? Actually like not, they're actually not doing that. They're actually not doing that this year. Really? Yeah. Yeah, they're actually not they doing They did this those year. during pandemic times, but they're not doing it this year. That's right. They used to do it every year. They used to do it yeah. every year for people. Yeah, not yeah, not doing it this year. And what one terrible. well, my squadron's one of the ones that does it. And uh yeah, we're not doing it. It's usually the Airbus that uh, that pushes it. They're not doing it, and uh, we've got too many operations going on to pick up the uh, pick up the slack. So we're not we're not doing it either. Terrible. Too many roller derbies in your uh, wheelie chairs. <laughs> That's right. You can't take the time out to get a plane ready. That's right. Wait, chairs have chairs have wheels in them? They do in the Air Force. All on of a ship, chairs. they don't. All of our chairs have wheels. <laughs> Reels on a chair on a ship is a bad thing. Unless it's tied to the unless it's tied to the table on a string. Right. And then you're just <laughs> It's one of my favorite games, uh couch surfing in a mess. Yeah. Start at one end and up to the other. Just stand on the couch. <clears throat> Off you go. Uh all right, so I just want to uh finish off the episode and tell all of our American friends and listeners happy American Thanksgiving. Uh, we did it first. You guys are just copying us now. So gobble, gobble. Uh, thanks for listening. Thank you for interacting. Uh, keep up the emails, keep up the comments, keep up just goofing off with us online. We really appreciate it. And remember if you're talking about it, I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, undercurrent podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.